0: I would do anything to go back in time to have a pouch of Yogos. If you don't remember what those are, I feel bad for you, but I'll give you a refresher. Yogos were these little fruit snack, I guess you could call them, little fruit snack balls that were covered in yogurt, and they were so good, they came in a bunch of different flavors, and everyone had them as a kid. They were always packed in my lunch. I'm sure they were always packed in yours. And a fun fact is I got to try those before those things even hit the market. My mom had a friend who basically plugged us on taste testing food before it would hit the market. So obviously I was younger because yogos are probably, I would say 10 years old now, but I got to try those before they hit the market. I left a review, told them what I thought. I got paid $20 to do it, which is pretty cool. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Today's episode covers the craziest week of baseball we've had in some time. This was the week to have your snacks on hand. What a crazy week this was. I don't know about you guys, but outside of maybe the World Series or just baseball coming back in general, this is one of the craziest weeks in baseball that we have seen in some time. To start us off, there was the breaking news. Uh, baseball lost another legend in Tommy Lasorda, which over the past 12 months, it's amazing how many legendary baseball players have died, more so than any other sport. I mean, Kobe was huge, don't get me wrong. like that, That was very upsetting, but The fact that baseball lost so many players, it's crazy. You have Al Kaline, Mr. Tiger, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Tom Seaver, Whitey Ford, Joe Morgan, Phil Necro, and now Tommy Lasorda. So within the last 12 months, baseball has been plagued by this uncertain and unfortunate uh, wave of all these legendary players unfortunately passing away And it's now 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) And it it apparently has not stopped. So hopefully uh, Tommy Lasorda is the last uh, legend to be lost for some time now. Um, Really upsetting. Great, great Los Angeles Dodgers manager. Two-time World Series winner. Um, I really didn't know that much about Tommy Lasorda. Obviously, I, I knew who he was. But it's amazing how he had such an impact on so many people in the game of baseball. I saw there was an interview on MLB Network. It was really interesting. Uh, Alex Avila is the godson of Tommy Lasorda. So it was, it was unique to hear his thoughts and, and how he felt about uh, Lasorda passing away. But back to Al Kaline. Uh, real quick, I wanted to share a, a cool story. Uh, I got the chance to meet Kaline last summer, uh, summer 2019. Uh, I was in the Tigers press box. And, um, I was sitting there and I heard the door open and someone walked in and I just, I I had this weird feeling of, I wonder who it is. Uh, I was, I was lucky enough at the time to be in the press box and sure enough, I I turn around and it was Al Kaline just slowly walking into the room and just admiring everything. And I thought, oh my God, this is the coolest (laughs) moment ever, um, Dan Dickerson was calling the game live on 97.1, the ticket, and I got to be in the booth with him, and Al Kaline was there, and it was such a crazy, really cool moment in time looking back on it now. And I got in between innings. I introduced myself to Kaline. We took a picture together, and, um, yeah, just a really cool moment that I got to share with arguably the most legendary Tiger of all time. So I'm very thankful that I got to share that moment with him, and it's definitely a moment I will never forget. Uh, But moving on from a little bit of the somberness, if you will, uh, it's a good day to be a Detroit Tigers fan. Great week, per se, to be a Detroit Tigers fan. Uh, As the Cleveland Indians traded away their franchise player and arguably the most underrated pitcher in Major League Baseball, uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Plus, the Tigers decided to spend a little bit of money towards a new left fielder in Robbie Grossman. Welcome to the Tigers, Robbie. And well, just how long have pitchers been cheating for? Uh, Some breaking news that has been reported in regards to some of the best pitchers in baseball, maybe taking a little bit of advantage uh, in a sticky situation, if you will. Uh, But first things first. Let's start with Lindor. So. If you haven't heard the news, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco have been traded to the New York Mets. This is uh, the the second move of the Steve Cohen era in New York. Obviously, his first move was well one becoming the main owner of the Mets, but he went out and signed James McCann, former Detroit Tiger, who I met in spring training back in two thousand twelve. This was back when he was a nobody, and big dude. I shook his hand. He literally had the biggest hands that I've ever seen. Uh, So good for the Mets. They got a good one in James McCann. But now, all of a sudden, the Mets have become that much more dangerous (laughs) when it comes to Francisco Lindor, who arguably is the face of Major League Baseball, uh, and Carlos Carrasco, who had an interesting uh, past season. He was diagnosed with leukemia and had to leave the game for a little while, but came back and It appeared that nothing really changed him. He was still the great pitcher that he was. And the Mets are clearly not messing around. Now, this is interesting because Lindor will be a free agent at the end of the 2021 season. And there was news initially within the past six to eight months that Cleveland was not looking to extend him and sign him long-term. Therefore, they were looking to trade him. Now, I am... (laughs) super happy that he is now out of the American League Central and has moved towards the National League and the addition of these two players arguably makes the New York Mets one of the best teams in baseball what i find interesting is on ESPN and MLB network over the past couple of days baseball analysts and experts have said that the Mets aren't the best team this doesn't this move doesn't make them the best team in baseball so i disagree, to be honest with you. I know the Dodgers are a powerhouse, and obviously you have the Padres that are making huge moves, but we've yet to see uh, what the, that team will look like. Uh, the roster is quote-unquote complete, but hey, with Blake Snell and Yu Darvish, we don't know they could have complete down years. But on paper, their team is awesome right now. Regardless of that, the Mets have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball, I think this staff is even better than the powerhouse that Houston had and Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and Zach Ranke, not to mention Charlie Morton. But you have Jacob deGrom, who has been the best pitcher in baseball over the last five seasons. I mean, two Cy Young Awards. I, I don't know why he wouldn't be considered the best pitcher in baseball. It's only because he's played for the Mets and the Mets have not gone anywhere. Uh, If you look at Mike Trout, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball, and there's no debating that, but he has been to the playoffs once with the Angels. Hopefully that uh, changes this year, but if you look at the pitching rotation for the Mets, you have DeGrom, you have Marcus Stroman, who opted out of the 2020 season, but we know just how good he can be. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, like I said before, arguably the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball. Uh, And you have Noah Syndergaard, who will be returning from Tommy John surgery. Now, that's going to be interesting. We know he's a flamethrower. Uh, It's a very similar situation to Steven Strasburg, because Strasburg was also a flamethrower. He underwent Tommy John surgery and came back and was better than what he was before he had the surgery. So if you consider Syndergaard to be even better than what he was before his Tommy John surgery, that rotation is dangerous, and if that rotation and bullpen, the bullpen has had some issues, but they can give up a couple of runs. They they will likely only give up a couple of runs, and that team is pretty stacked offensively up and down that lineup. Um, you have Edwin Diaz in the bullpen. They just added Trevor May. Juries uh, Familia, who's give or take, and Dallin uh who they also recently added. But it appears that the Mets aren't done, and this team is, like I said, so good. And if they go out and add either George Springer, which is highly likely, uh, Trevor Bauer, who is just such a troll at this point, um, making YouTube videos, basically saying, hey, like, I'm not going to tell you where I want to sign unless you watch this YouTube video. And then again, I'm probably not going to tell you where I'm going to sign in this YouTube video. I just want you to subscribe to my channel. So, Steve Cohen is trying to make his voice heard, really making a push that, hey, this team, we are not messing around. If any team in baseball was looking to sign Francisco Lindor or extend him, it would be the Mets. They are probably going to give him anywhere within the, I would have to guess, probably $285 million, uh, somewhere in like the eight to 10 year uh, window. But. Literally on Twitter, <laughs> Steve Cohen is, is is making his voice heard. Uh, I talked about it a couple episodes back um, with one of my guests, and he based Steve Cohen went on Twitter and was just like, "Hey, you know Mets fans, I'm the new owner. Who should we sign? Who do you guys want to see?" He's just like looking at his <laughs> his most recent tweets. It's just crazy. Uh, he literally says uh, this was from four days ago. I know this trade seems to seems to He's forgetting a B in there. Seems to creating excitement, but let's get back to what matters, the black jerseys. <laughs> I don't disagree. Those those black Mets jerseys were sick. Um, but he's just like a, a fooling guy uh, on on Twitter. It's crazy because I, I think back to the uh, Mike Illich era, and it was very similar. He wanted to bring a championship to the city of Detroit, and he was very vocal about it. Uh, some, good, some good contracts were given out, others not so much. Uh, he brought Prince Fielder over in, tw- I want to say it was 2012, uh, and the Tigers did go to the World Series that year. They had a couple of uh, consecutive AL Central titles in the mix, but they couldn't bring a title. Uh, and obviously Mike Illich... <laughs> was not as, as as vocal and as young and youthful as Steve Cohen is. He was not going to go on Twitter at, at the time and say, hey, who do you guys want me to bring to the city of Detroit? He seemingly was always true to his word and and spent money on players. He tried to do it, but unfortunately, it never worked. Um, and he passed away, and, and the duties were handed down to his son. But Steve Cohen is really making this effort of the Mets aren't messing around, and I wouldn't be surprised that... Even though the MLB free agent market is always so slow in the wintertime and there are so many players out there that have yet to sign with a team, I would not be surprised if the Mets go and try to get one more guy. Whether that's Trevor Bauer or George Springer, it's clear that this team is not messing around. The Cleveland Indians are going through it, though. First off, they won't be the Cleveland Indians in 2021, they have proposed that they will be changing their name. It's it's unofficial as of what that name will look like. Uh, but the Indians, or Cleveland I should say, has gone through a couple of rough patches. Over the last five seasons, they traded Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Francisco Lindor, and not to mention they just lost Carlos Santana to free agency. Uh, immediately they become one of the weaker teams in the division, and they haven't been able to get very far. Other than reaching the World Series in in 2016 and sending that series into a Game 7, you had Rajai Davis hitting that crazy home run off Aroldis Chapman that sent LeBron James and the rest of Cleveland into an absolute frenzy. But other than that, Cleveland has not done much other than dominate the Tigers, realistically. And and this most recent uh, changed-up playoff format in 2020 due to the 60 game season and covid the the yankees beat the indians uh in the best of three series and that was unfortunately for indians fans the last time they'd ever see francisco lindor in a cleveland indians uniform and they never got to appreciate that last moment in person as a fan to see their franchise player play in Uh, his final games in Cleveland, which is tough for Indians fans. Uh, But for Tigers fans, like I said, we are rejoicing. If you look at Francisco Lindor's career stats against the Tigers, uh, they're pretty solid. So 89 games. In those 89 games, he has 101 hits, 25 doubles, 3 triples, 17 homers, which is tied for second in terms of most home runs he's had against an opponent. Uh, he's hit 27 home runs in his career against the Kansas City Royals, uh, and the Tigers are also tied with the Twins for 17 home runs, which makes sense because these are all American League Central teams. 57 RBIs, um, 53 strikeouts, pretty good numbers there, 12 stolen bases, and a career two eighty-five batting average against Detroit in his six-year career. Shifting over to Carlos Carrasco, his numbers are eye-popping. A 3.56 ERA, a 12-9 win-loss record, which I actually thought, (laughs) along with Corey Kluber, uh, that Carlos Carrasco was like the second starting pitcher on that team that absolutely dominated the Tigers. But we beat him nine times. Uh, 31 games, 25 games started against Detroit. Two complete games, one shutout. I'm not surprised. He gave up 156 hits and 149 innings pitched, 59 earned runs, 13 homers, 45 walks, and, get ready for it, 147 strikeouts. Uh, Pretty good numbers there for Carrasco against Detroit, and I, along with so many other Tigers fans, are so happy to see these guys finally go. Now, what does that make left of the division? Uh, You have the Tigers and the White Sox, which are in unique positions. Uh, the White Sox are a much better team uh, considering they have the likes of former or most recent MVP, uh, American League MVP award winner in Jose Breu and Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert. The, the White Sox are a great team, but they were that uh, rebuilding team. They decided to spend a little bit of money in free agency and were like, hey, you know what? We're not going to be this team that rebuilds anymore. I think we are ready to To finally get started here, they went ahead and signed Tony Larusa as their next manager, which is super interesting because A.J. Hinch was also available, and we know what happened there. The Tigers ended up inking him. Uh, But like I said, the Tigers are also in a unique scenario because they are on the move to slowly exit this rebuilding stage. They signed Robbie Grossman, which I will get into in a little bit. But bringing over A.J. Hinch as their next manager, to me at least, was this? Uh, it was a sign of we are on to bigger and better things. This team is trying to win. It's not a win-now scenario. They are not going to spend a ton of money on someone. They're not going to sign George Springer or Trevor Bauer. Uh, they're definitely going to sign someone else um, and not give them a crazy amount of money. That is definitely in the time to come. But the Tigers are slowly becoming a team that you shouldn't mess with, and that could definitely have some contention uh, in the American League Central. You have the Minnesota Twins that have just really missed the mark the last couple seasons. They make it to the postseason, but they always get eliminated in the first round, and their pitching has never been great. Um, Their offense has been solid. Nelson Cruz, it seems he gets older and just continues to hit more and more home runs. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if he resigns back in Minnesota, but the AL Central is has been one of the stronger teams in baseball over the last decade, from 2010 to 2020. I mean, the Tigers went to the World Series, the Royals went to the World Series, um, Minnesota and Cleveland went to the World Series, Minnesota uh, and the White Sox have made it to the postseason. Um, so the, the AL Central has quietly been a very, very good team in terms of representing Uh, in the American League Championship Series, and even the World Series. So now you have this team in the Indians that has lost their star player, their franchise player, and one of the best pitchers in baseball. And this makes me think, well, is Cleveland going to enter this rebuilding stage? And what is this going to look like for them? I'm hoping that the roles are going to shift in terms of the standings, where the Tigers have come in last place the past several seasons, they will now hopefully jump into third or fourth, and I think Cleveland is going to sink to the bottom of the American League Central standings. They're still a decent team. I mean, they have Jose Ramirez. They have Fran Miel Reyes. But other than that, their pitching staff is great. Obviously, Shane Bieber. Um, they still have Andrew Miller. But I wouldn't be surprised if this team tries to clean house and start over, which is sad because... I hate to say it, but Cleveland was a really good team. A really good team. And I hated when we played them. It seemed anytime they came into town, we would get swept. Any time we went to Cleveland, they would sweep us. That wasn't the case towards the beginning of the decade, like the 2010. Back when the Tigers were really good, man, we dominated Cleveland. Uh, and boy, did that script turn for the worst uh, starting in probably, what, 2015. So I'm so happy to see them go. And I know that Francisco Lindor's one. He's gonna look awesome as a New York Met. Um, I think uh, he's gonna really appreciate that change of scenery going from Cleveland to New York. Uh, he there won't be as much pressure as it would be if he went to the Yankees. If you guys remember, John Carlos Stanton struggled. He still hasn't been his his same Miami Marlins self with the Yankees. But boy, does he get booed a lot in that stadium. Uh, but I don't think Lindor is going to struggle as much as Stanton has. And I think eventually Lindor is going to get this extension. He's going to get a ton of money. And he's probably going to finish and spend the rest of his career in New York, in Queens. So I I love this move. I'm glad to see him go, obviously. And to go to the National League is even better. Uh, does this make the Mets the team to beat in the National League? I think so. And... As of right now, I would say my top three teams in the National League is Dodgers 1, Mets 2, Padres 3. Uh, it Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how the Padres um, play out, but the National League has always been the weaker league in baseball, and this move changes that and really strengthens that New York Mets team, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. It's the first multi-year deal that the Tigers have given out to a free agent since Justin Upton's deal with the Tigers back in January of 2016. In case you haven't heard, the Tigers signed free agent outfielder Robbie Grossman to a two-year, $10 million contract. Grossman is a switch hitter and has been in the league since 2013. He played for Houston for three seasons, the Minnesota Twins for three seasons, and spent the last two seasons with the Oakland Athletics. Now, what I find interesting about this signing is I watched a video of his press conference with reporters and he mentions that part of his decision to come to Detroit was with his previous relationship with A.J. Hinch. Now I have wondered, ever since the Tigers brought along A.J. Hinch well, one, what does that mean in terms of free agents big name free agents that would come to the city of Detroit but also, we know what happened with A.J. Hinch and the whole cheating scandal, and Grossman is a good example because Hinch was his manager back in 2015. Now, there wasn't any evidence that showed that the Astros were cheating back in 2015. I believe it started in the 2017 season, but Grossman is familiar with A.J. Hinch because he was his manager for the year. So for someone like Grossman who's played for Hinch and knows his play style uh, and knows that the both of them know each other very well. That led to him saying, "You know, well, you know what? I want to come to the city of Detroit because I obviously I know what AJ Hinch did, and you know, essentially, let's put that behind us, and he's ready to move on. And that is a good sign because you would hate to see free agents or anybody in terms of whether it's a free agent signing or to be traded to Detroit." Wouldn't want to come here because of AJ Hinch's reputation. I was hoping that that wouldn't be the case. And I didn't, it's hard to see a, a big name guy not wanting to come to Detroit because of AJ Hinch at the helm of things now. Uh, I feel as if, out of any apology that was given amongst anybody from the Astros, Hinch had the biggest response. And obviously, so, because he was the ringleader. Uh, manager of the team at the time so he's the one that has the most responsibility but um, it's good to see that Robbie Grossman made it clear that hey AJ Hinch you know granted he used to be my manager but I'm still willing and I want to come to the city of Detroit to help make a change and possibly bring possibly bring uh, winning ways back to the city of Detroit so Grossman, he's a switch-hitting outfielder. Uh, he's really good defensively. In fact, he hasn't committed an error since June of 2018. Uh, switch hitter. And when I was watching some of his highlights, the majority of all his highlights, whether it be home runs or, or uh, you know RBI doubles, whatever the case may be, all of his hits came from the left-hand side. And taking a look at his stats from 2019, he does hit righties, better than he does hit lefties he had a 250 batting average against right handers and a 173 batting average against lefties uh, and most of his power comes against righties too he, he's not a guy that hits for a lot of power um 2019 he only had six home runs uh granted in 2020 that he only played in 51 games uh he had eight home runs so his power was going up uh, and like I had said before, he he talked about how he made some adjustments to his swing. So it's a small sample size, but through fifty games, fifty one games to have eight homers, uh, more so than more than he had last season with six home runs in a hundred sixty two game season. So uh, unfortunately, for not only the fans, but Grossman himself, uh, he didn't get to see his you know full potential in a hundred sixty two game season with the adjustments that he's made to his swing. So that's a good sign because it shows that there's definitely potential for him to increase his power numbers. Obviously, playing in Comerica Park, though, it's um, one of the bigger and, and further uh, outfields in all of Major League Baseball. Center field is 420 feet, which uh, does not help you if you're trying to hit for more power. But in terms of the outfield, Grossman can cover a plenty of ground, um, he actually, looking at, going back to 2019 for a sec, his best numbers come against the AL Central, which is a great sign, considering he will be playing the majority of his games against the AL Central now. Uh, he had a two eighty-seven batting average, the highest um, out of the five divisions. Um, let's see, he had 27 hits, 8 RBIs, 16 walks, 19 strikeouts. 287 batting average. All those numbers come against the AL Central. Uh, He did not do well against the NL Central. 16 games, 6 hits, uh, 2 RBIs, and 10 walks. He definitely walks a lot, um, which is a good sign. His on-base percentage is pretty high at 334 back in 2019. If we take a look at 2020, a couple decimal points up higher, even though in a shortened season, uh, he had an on-base percentage of 344. So I see him more so being uh, as a top middle-ish of the lineup uh, bet, and he solidifies the left the left field uh, position for the Tigers. So now the, the outfield has been solved in a little bit of a way. You'd have Robbie Grossman in left, uh, Jacoby Jones in center field, and probably Victor Reyes um, spending the majority of his time in right field. Uh, hopefully... That we could get rid of Christian Stort and possibly bring someone else like another utility guy in and switch time between uh, Reyes and whoever that person might be out in right field. Um, but this is definitely an, an exciting sign. Uh, it's a sign in the right direction for the Tigers that, Hey, you know, they're starting to spend a little bit of money. Uh, they did sign Jose Arena to a one year deal. I think uh, they gave him three and a half million dollars. I didn't really go that much in depth about that signing, but he was the Marlins opening day starter last year. He had plenty of, there was a ton of beef surrounding him and Ronald Acuna. Uh, I want to say it was last season. If you guys remember, Acuna had that crazy streak of like leadoff home runs and was playing so well for the Braves. And uh, the Braves and Marlins were playing a game. And on like the first pitch of the game, uh, Urena plunked Acuna. I think he had homered off him. I want to say it might have been that Acuna homered off him in the first inning, and then the next time that he faced him, he beamed him on the first pitch. I really want to say that's what happened. Um, so maybe he's got a bit of an attitude, uh, Jose Urena, but he definitely brings a little bit more strength to that pitching staff, that pitching rotation. Um, we saw a lot of time split between Michael Fulmer and Daniel Norris, uh, as well as Tyler Alexander. So I think Urena. Is a good bet to eat up some innings and hopefully um, bring this team some more wins. But I I do like this Robbie Grossman signing. Uh, we got him for two years, ten million dollars. Uh, a good guy to have in the clubhouse, and I I feel as if his his past relationship with AJ Hinch, uh, this example, you know, if Grossman goes on to have a really good season, that could be a great sign for. Uh, other guys that have played under AJ Hinch and not only that but the Tigers have completely uh, cleaned house with the coaching staff so it'll really be interesting to see um, what this signing means more so than his numbers and and his stats Uh, but more so what is it like for these guys that are coming to a team like Detroit where there's so much opportunity and, and there's room for growth in uh, a team that is slowly exiting the rebuilding stage and a team that wants to win and a team that brought over a manager and a leader in A.J. Hinch and that there's so much young talent on the way. So I do like this signing. I hope that um, Grossman can definitely bring some more offense to that lineup. We all know that the Tigers' offense has not ranked highly over the past five to six seasons and uh, I think this is this is definitely one quietly one of the better signings so far this winter. So I just looked it up, and so I, I originally I was right. Uh, back to the whole Jose Arena scenario. So basically, what happened was this was August fifteenth of of the twenty nineteen season. So Acuna had homered in five straight games, becoming the youngest player in MLB history to accomplish this feat. Uh, as well as homering in the leadoff spot twice in a doubleheader the day before. So Jose Urena did not want to be Acuna's next victim. And on the first pitch uh, that Urena threw, it was the fastest pitch he threw all year, interesting enough, uh, the pitch registered at 97.5 miles an hour, and he hit Acuna right on the elbow. Uh, And Acuna went to the ground and got up and eventually went to first base. Uh, But the benches cleared, and for all the right reasons— because it's kind of a shitty move on Urena's end. Like, at that point, if, if you want to prove that you're the better player, just strike him out. That's all you had to do. I mean, why would you even want the guy on base? He's so fast. Two outs later, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get the decision to, to bean him. But uh, anyway, yeah, the Braves definitely took exception to that move. Um, just reading into some of the quotes, the uh, manager of the Braves, Brian Snitker, said, I'm not sure I've ever felt like that in a baseball game before. It's just my emotion. Uh, that kid didn't deserve that. There's just no reason for a young man to be hit like that when all he's doing is playing the game, which I totally agree because, why? Well, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And like I said, if you want to prove that you are the better player, you strike him out. You do not hit him. So what's funny is I didn't see that the Braves attempted to retaliate uh, the Braves attempted to get revenge the first time they saw Ureña take the mound in 2019. Oh, wait. So this was back in 2018? No. Maybe it was. I, that's so interesting. Okay. I think this was 2018. Um, so the first time that they see him in 2019, um, Atlanta pitcher Kevin Gosman tries to bean Ureña. And his first at-bat but the pitch missed and sailed behind him. So what happened? Gosman was immediately ejected, ejected from the game, uh, which is not surprising. The Braves might have missed their chance, but they ended up going on to beat Urena that game 7-2. to two. So he appears to be a little bit of a hothead, but hey, I mean, the Tigers could definitely use a bit of a change of pace. And I think Urena is a guy that will appreciate this change of scenery. We only got him for one year, so realistically, if he has a really good season, uh, the odds of re-signing him for a cheap price is pretty likely. And I can see this signing to be a pretty big impact for this team now and possibly down the road. So a couple days ago, ESPN broke this story about a fired Los Angeles Angels clubhouse attendant who basically named several big-name pitchers in Major League Baseball in a ball-doctoring case. Uh, so the, the story basically reads, um, it, it opens with a text message that was sent from Garrett Cole to the uh, Angels clubhouse attendant. So his name was Brian Harkins, uh, and basically he's using this text message to prove that he was unfairly made a scapegoat. Um, when the Angels fired him as their clubhouse attendant back in March of 2019. So the message, which is dated January 17th of 2019, reads, Hey, Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. I was wondering if you could help me out with this sticky situation, winky face emoji, (laughs) which is so over the top. We don't see you until May, but we've had some road games in April that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold, dot, 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 uh, and that is the end of the text message that is included in the article. So it goes on to say that Harkins was fired last March, ending a nearly four-decade run with the Angels. Uh, basically, the, the, uh, Major League Baseball was informed that he was providing pitchers with an illegal blend of rosin and pine tar, which is a violation of a rule that had never been strictly enforced. Um, The original complaint outlined the reasons why applying rosin and pine tar on baseballs by pitchers has been a long-held, accepted practice done largely for safety reasons and insinuated that Harkins was fired without proper warning. So he basically goes on to name uh, several pitchers, not only Garrett Cole but also Justin Verlander, Edwin Jackson, Max Scherzer, Felix Hernandez, Corey Kluber, Jabba Chamberlain, Adam Wainwright, and Tyler Chatwood, amongst the previous pitchers who had asked for his specific blend of pine tar and rosin, which became popular throughout the league after he made it for former closer Troy Percival more than 20 years ago. So there is this argument as to whether or not uh, this, this whole ball doctoring scenario should be uh, legalized. Because it's not necessarily cheating, if anything, it, it's, it helps pitchers. Um, you're not injecting anything. You're just making it easier in difficult weather situations to just have more control over the ball. If you think about it, it's unfair for teams like the Tigers, for example, that in at the end of March and April and possibly even the beginning of May – it's so cold. We've seen snow before happen during a Tigers game. And for a pitcher to be pitching in that type of weather versus a team like the Angels, where it's March and April, regardless of whenever it is, it's still warm weather all, all season long. It definitely has an effect on how well you perform and your numbers and your career stats and you know whatever the case may be. So in that sense... It's unfair. So it seems like, hey, well, if we give these teams a bit of an advantage, some of these uh, northern teams, the northeastern teams, if you will, where the weather is so cold at the beginning of the season, uh, that, I mean, those teams, the, the warmer weather teams, they have that advantage. So I just feel like this rule is so over the top. And to go ahead and and name drop all these pitchers that asked for it, I mean, if if you look at it, it's interesting because a lot of these guys, depending on when they played, have played for teams that that first third of the season, it's cold. I mean, Justin Verlander with the Tigers, Edwin Jackson, uh, Max Scherzer, who split his time between Detroit and Washington, Um, Felix Hernandez, eh, Seattle, let's give or take. Corey Kluber, Cleveland, cold. Jabba Chamberlain, Detroit, cold. Adam Wainwright, um, Tyler Chatwood, Chicago and Colorado, cold. So it's, it's interesting to just sit here and say, well, it's unfair for teams and players, pitchers that are playing for teams that are in these colder states, if you will. I mean, Garrett Cole literally says, um, we have some road games in April that are, and I love how he puts this, in cold weather places, uh, aka states that are cold, Garrett. Uh, so it's just weird that this is such a big deal, and I feel like it should be legalized. It's not, like I said, I mean, you're not taking steroids. You're not going to throw the ball faster. You, it It just gives you more control, and it's actually safer for the game. If a pitcher feels like he needs to to do this, where he can have more control over the ball because his hands are so cold, why wouldn't that be allowed? Like, who, why? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. So I find that I'm defending this guy, Bubba, in his situation because he just, so he's been doing it for 20 years, and everyone knows who he is, which is also very interesting. All these former players... Or current players uh, have known about this for twenty years. I mean, JV has not been in the league for twenty years, so obviously word got around when he was when he made his way uh, into the big leagues back in two thousand five. As to like, yeah, there is this guy with the Angels, and he makes this, you know, the great uh, rosin um, stuff, if you will. And it just seems like it shouldn't be frowned upon. In baseball at this point i mean not only that i remember two seasons ago like in 2019 if you remember the season started so early it was almost towards like the middle-ish end of march i think it started like march 25th or something and that's like why why start the season that early it's freezing granted you have the postseason uh typically wrap up around Middle to end of October, depending on how long that lasts. But if you have a team like the Tigers in the World Series or any team, it is freezing cold when uh, anyone is when they are on the road. Right uh, when some team comes to Detroit to play the Tigers for three games of a, a seven-game series, and then those other four games are played where it's seventy plus degrees. It just doesn't make sense, and I feel like MLB definitely needs to make a change. Uh, to this rule um, the real question is do you feel as if this is cheating because I don't feel like it's cheating I was a pitcher back in my baseball playing days and I know what it's like to pitch in the cold weather or pitch when it's raining I mean there it makes such a huge difference when you're pitching on a nice sunny warm day versus freezing cold weather so I don't know why you'd have to be penalized for this and why it's frowned upon. And we've seen MLB made so many adjustments with the COVID season and implementing new rules and things like that, trying to make the game go by faster. I don't see why you can't get rid of this rule and give it a little bit of limitation because if this helps pitchers and gives them more control and we'll see less hit by pitches, then why not do it? I don't see where the harm is in all of this. So that is all for this week on Motor City Hardball. I'd like to thank you guys for sticking around and listening to today's episode. It has been such a crazy week in baseball. I'm so curious to see what things will look like come next week. Uh, Will DJ LeMahieu or George Springer possibly come off the board in terms of big free agent moves? Uh, Where will Trevor Bauer go? Will he make another YouTube video? Uh, I'm curious to see what happens there. Uh, As well as if there's any more uh, rules or announcements made in terms of allowing fans in for the 2021 season. I know that uh, the season is supposedly going to start on time and that fans will be allowed uh, and won't have to be vaccinated, but that could very well change. We know how quickly Rob Manford likes to (laughs) make adjustments to the rules that are implemented But that is all. Until next time, you guys, I'm Brandon Rothenberg. We'll see you next Wednesday at 3 o'clock on Motor City Hardball.